What is going on, Cultivate family? Welcome back to episode 30 of the podcast. Now, there hasn't been a podcast for the last week because I have been so unwell. You might still be able to hear it in my voice a little bit. I woke up one day and my tonsils were just the size of giant tennis balls. And I have just about gotten my voice back, which is super lucky because I really wanted to record this episode before I went away. I actually didn't feel too rough physically. I just had this absolute razor knife pain every time I swallowed and I couldn't really eat solid food or even hot food. So I had a lot of like smoothies and protein shakes. So that is what this episode is very much powered by. But I'm definitely feeling a bit more back today. What it also made me realize is that obviously I took a break from training because I was very mindful that I might have been infectious but also because I couldn't realistically train when I was in that amount of pain. And a few years ago, I probably would have pushed myself and forced myself to the gym or made myself feel really guilty about the fact that I couldn't go. But when we are unwell and our body is telling us that we need to take some time to rest, it's definitely up to us to own that and honour it to make sure that we actually get the rest that we need Because if we don't, we're only going to prolong getting back to doing the thing we love, which for me is training. So I went back to the gym on Sunday, felt loads better, didn't have to push myself through a session or feel crap about it. I just gave myself the space and time I needed to rest. No guilt, no shame. And that was a sure sign that my exercise relationship is in so much more of a better place than it ever has been. And I'm really grateful for that. And it's nice to have those little reminders every so often. The other reason I'm so glad I'm better is because I go to Thailand tomorrow, which is something that I've wanted to do for absolutely years. And I just bit the bullet and booked it on my own this year. And I'm so glad I did. So I'm going to be taking a week off of work for a bit of time to recharge, to explore. It's going to be cool to have my birthday out there as well. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to it, but I am absolutely dreading the airport connection in Qatar. I had to choose between Qatar or Dubai, and I've heard absolute horror stories about trans people getting arrested and detained. So in preparation for it, I've grown my hair out a little longer than I normally would. I've painted my nails, and I'm hoping it's going to be smooth sailing while I catch that transfer flight because I really don't want to be drawing any attention to myself in a country where it's illegal to be trans. It's also pancake day today, and I'm very excited about it, which again is a sure sign that my food relationship is in a good place, because I'm going to be enjoying them absolutely guilt-free. All foods have a place and all foods can fit, and food is not just fuel, it's also there to be enjoyed. Which brings me on to today's podcast, which is about food cravings. This has been something that's come up a lot with my one-to-one people this week. Craving specific sweet foods, particularly on an evening, and finding that you're snacking absentmindedly or due to stress or emotions. So today we're going to be talking all about how we manage our food cravings and urges and impulses because they aren't necessarily to be seen as a negative. So by the end of today's episode, I want you to be able to recognise your true hunger cues and be able to ride out your cravings more mindfully, whilst also giving yourself unconditional permission to eat the foods that you love. 
like pancakes. <laughs> so before we get into today's episode, I want you to know if you're struggling with your hunger cues, your cravings, and getting your nutrition in a spot that feels good and optimal for you, if you would like some support, then Fuzz Culture Club might be your flavor. We very much focus on inclusive nutrition. So if you need some support with that, hit the form in the show notes. Tell me a little bit about yourself and what you're struggling with, and I'll let you know if I can help you. And if you're new to the podcast, I spend a lot of time working with people on their food relationships just as much as their training because it is so, so important. I struggled a lot with an eating disorder before I was a coach, and this is why I ended up here so I could help other people find a good balance with their nutrition and get their food relationship in a good spot. Because food relationship is genuinely one of the most important relationships that we will ever have in our life. And last note from me, before we move on, I would absolutely love it if you could leave this podcast a review on whatever platform that you're listening to it on right now. We're 30 episodes deep now, and the reviews really, really help bring the podcast to more people and allow me to get bigger guests. So while you're listening right now, if you could take a sec to rate it and review it and subscribe, I would absolutely bloody love it and I would appreciate it so much. All right, let's get into it. So food cravings are frequent, specific, intense desires for us to eat a particular type of food and they're not necessarily always about hunger. When we feel hunger, that is the need that we need to eat and fuel our bodies for nutritional and energy purposes. But when we have a craving, that's our body telling us that we want something to eat. And sometimes in these scenarios, we might not actually be hungry. So for example, if you've already eaten your evening meal and you have eaten enough food, but you still might crave a piece of chocolate or a dessert or something sweet afterwards. And a lot of the time we hear terms like sugar addict or chocoholic get thrown around a lot. And people may blame cravings on having a sweet tooth or bad eating habits or lack of self-control. But cravings aren't necessarily down to you just having a sweet tooth or different eating behaviours or not having self-control. Cravings actually involve brain messages and behaviours that form into habits over time. And the studies have shown that foods that stimulate the reward regions of our brain can influence our food choices and our eating behaviours. And we obviously live in a world where food is more readily accessible to us than it has ever been. We can get it very quick and we can get it in so many different convenience forms. And in Western culture, we have a huge amount of highly palatable foods that will very easily stimulate those regions of our brain and make us crave them. So when we eat certain foods, the neurons in the reward region of our brain become really active and they create really highly positive feelings of pleasure so that we want to keep seeking those foods out regularly. So if you think about if you eat a really nice dessert or you eat a really tasty takeaway, they're giving us all of that dopamine and those pleasurable feelings. So we will crave it and that's absolutely normal. That's not due to you not having enough willpower or being addictive. It's just how our brain works with hyperpalatable foods. Now, a lot of these foods are labeled hyperpalatable because they're easy to digest and they've got enjoyable qualities of sweetness, saltiness, or richness. And hyperpalatable foods can stimulate the release of metabolic stress and appetite hormones. 
and that includes like insulin, cortisol, dopamine, leptin and ghrelin, and all of those play a role in our food cravings. So this is often why when we have food cravings, it's not necessarily for a vegetable, it's for something sweet, something salty, something a bit more calorie dense that's really highly palatable. So that's where cravings come from and that's why they happen. Now we can break food cravings down into five triggers. So I'm gonna go through them one by one. The first one is external cues. So these are things like if you have a favorite TV show that you have a habit of watching while eating something like ice cream, you'll become conditioned to reach for that bowl of ice cream when you watch an episode, even if you're not actually hungry. It's an external cue. The TV show you love comes on and you always eat ice cream while you're watching it. So you reach for the ice cream out of habit, regardless of hunger cues. Then we have internal cues. Now these are more emotive. So things like sadness or stress, these can prompt us to crave certain foods to self-soothe. And it's also worth noting here that using food to comfort eat is not inherently bad. You might have a bad day and want to come home to a really nice cooked meal that gives you comfort, but using food to push down or mask emotions is what I'm referring to here when I talk about emotive eating. So using food to try and feel better about a stressful situation or something bad that's happened and pushing down those emotions so you're not actually dealing with the emotion directly. The third trigger is deprivation. So if you're restricting food or you're dieting, you may find yourself that you're craving lots of food by the end of the day. So a lot of the time we'll see people that diet or restrict food end up craving more food in the evening after their last meal because they've restricted during the day. And this is what can actually result in binges or bouts of overeating because you're restricting other foods. Most of those foods that people will tend to restrict are obviously more sweet or calorie dense things. So when you're really craving those hyperpalatable foods that I spoke about at the beginning, if you've restricted them for a long period of time, this is what can result in you overeating those. The next trigger is one that we don't talk about as much, which is poor sleep. So there's lots of studies that show that lack of sleep increases your appetite, which also increases cravings for food in general, but more so, again, hyperpalatable food. So often foods that are sweeter, salty, more fatty, because fats are really, really satiating and palatable. And the final trigger is our social environment. So things like where we work, if there's vending machines at our school or our sports club, your partner baking, people bring snacks into the office. You may see that food and want it because it's there, regardless of your hunger cues. And you may very well choose to eat something that you're offered because it looks really good. And that is absolutely valid and okay. We can absolutely own our choice to eat something tasty when we're not hungry just because it looks delicious. It's absolutely our choice to do that. And there is people that will demonize someone bringing a birthday cake into the office but that's a nice thing to share with your colleagues. And if you wanna have that slice of cake, regardless of hunger cues, that is absolutely fine. All we're really doing here is just holding space for the fact that our social environment can cause a craving. So the solution to food cravings isn't necessarily to aim to get rid of them altogether because cravings are not inherently bad. 
The solution is actually to just bring some mindfulness to the process so you can make a choice for yourself that's in line with your goals. Now, you might remember the episode I did on the pause a while back. We're going to utilize a form of pause when it comes to navigating our food cravings, which is called surfing the urge. Now, this is not designed to get rid of your food cravings or to stop you eating foods that you crave. Again, it's just bringing some more mindfulness to the equation. So as always, before we get into this coping mechanism, I want to preempt you all with the nuance as usual, which is as follows. Sometimes we may choose to overeat, and this is absolutely normal and completely valid. If we go out for a really nice meal or have a really good takeaway, we might choose to eat more because it tastes amazing and we make a conscious choice to eat more. And we would usually refer to this as like a fuck yeah moment. It tastes great and we want to keep eating it. But often we will actually eat when we're not hungry in situations where it isn't necessarily a fuck yeah moment. It's just us wanting a quick dopamine hit or something to quell boredom or our emotions. And this is often when we might want to implement this surfing the urge mechanism because it's not necessarily in line with our goals of mindfully eating. Others may want to use this technique because they find it hard to hone in on their hunger cues. So surfing the urge brings more body awareness and more mindfulness to the eating process. And then my last couple of points, having a craving for something specific is not a negative feeling to have. We shouldn't look at it as a bad thing. It's normal for us to crave foods that we like, and it's all part of being human. Craving certain foods is absolutely not a bad thing. Sometimes we might crave sweet stuff. Sometimes we might crave nutrient-dense foods. If we've had a week where we've, say, not managed to eat many vegetables because we've been on the road or away with work and grabbing bits as we go. Cravings are not bad, and using mindfulness, coping mechanisms to be more aware of them is not a way for us to restrict more hyperpalatable or calorie dense foods. It's just a way for us to bring more mindfulness to our hunger and fullness cues. All right, so that's the nuance done. Now let's crack on. So urge surfing is a mental technique to observe and experience an urge without actually engaging with it. So it was basically created by a psychologist called Dr. Marlott, and they developed this concept to help in addiction recovery. But it's actually been proven to be very, very useful in regards to nutrition and our food relationships and eating disorder recovery. So I use this technique a lot in my own eating disorder recovery. So the technique of surfing the urge compares an urge that we have to a wave in the ocean. So you know how a wave can be super strong, really ferocious and big, but then it also passes very quickly. This is an analogy for an urge. So an urge or a craving for a very specific food can feel really intense in the moment, but it usually doesn't last a very long time. So when we think about surfing the urge, the imagery that we can bring to mind is that we're actually surfing a wave from when it's really big at the beginning to then when it very quickly passes, it's quite a quick process. Now this technique for most people is way more helpful than just trying to distract yourself from an urge or a craving because avoiding a thought or a feeling can eventually actually make it more powerful and harder to ignore. If for example, you kept trying to push down the feeling that you wanted to eat some chocolate, eventually that craving, that urge would become so loud in your head that it would be far harder to ignore and you might actually end up overeating or binging on it eventually. 
Whereas if you sat with the urge, used the surfing the urge technique, it will help you fully recognize and feel your feelings without letting them control you. And then you can make an informed decision. And the stance we take on food is that we want to give ourselves unconditional permission to eat what we fancy as opposed to restricting it. So how do we surf the urge when it comes to our food cravings? We ideally want to use surfing the urge to observe our thoughts and our feelings. And the point is to notice the thoughts without judging them or without getting frustrated with them. And this in turn is going to make those cravings less powerful and it can reduce our stress around them. So the first thing is when you notice the craving, we pause. We ask ourselves, what am I craving right now? And we don't act on that craving straight away. We don't reach for that food straight away. We just notice it. We let ourselves become aware of it and we take a pause. Not acting on the craving straight away might feel a bit weird and almost uncomfortable at first. And the urge could actually get worse after you start paying attention to it. Think of that big wave. But the key here is not to be afraid of sitting with those feelings. We're bringing mindfulness to them. Step number two is to set a timer for 20 to 30 minutes. So you can actually physically set a timer on your phone or you can just loosely say to yourself, I'm going to take 20 to 30 minutes here. And in that time window, go and do something. That could be watch an episode of something on Netflix, go for a walk, do something crafty, do some house chores, showering, laundry, work. Essentially, just crack on with your day for that window of time. Then the third step is at that 20 to 30 minute mark, we're going to check back in with ourselves. We're going to ask ourselves, do we still want that food thing or that snack or that takeaway that we were craving? And at this point, we can then make a choice. If we still want it, allow yourself unconditional permission to have it. So eat that thing that you're craving mindfully, put it in a bowl or on a plate, take it away from the kitchen and sit down undistracted and enjoy it. It might be that we find the craving is past and we don't fancy it anymore, so we won't have it. Or we might find that the craving has passed, but you did realize in that time that you are hungry and definitely did need to eat something. So you might actually make a different choice to what you initially craved, i.e. like you might decide to cook a meal instead of ordering a takeaway, or you might opt for a more nutrient-dense snack instead of the item of food that you were originally craving. It might be that you even do a snack pairing. So if you were craving chocolate, you might have a chocolate bar, but you might also pair like a piece of fruit with it. So you're going to eat something that fills you up while also allowing yourself to have a little bit of something that you fancy. Using this window of time to surf the urge, it means that our craving will reach a peak and ultimately be less powerful, which means it eventually becomes a bit more faint in your mind. And the research shows that most urges don't last longer than 30 minutes, which is why if you're not actually hungry, when you've surfed the urge, you might actually make a different choice at the end of it. So that's how we surf the urge when it comes to our food cravings. So the benefits that this technique has when it comes to food is that a lot of us can often struggle with overeating more fun, hyperpalatable foods, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with that. 
But what happens is we often end up eating those foods when we are hungry and we might get to the point where we actually feel uncomfortably full or we've overeaten past our fullness and hunger cues. So here, surfing the urge helps to bring self-awareness to the craving whilst also giving us space to make a decision in line with what we want for ourselves without just blanket restricting certain foods, which we obviously know doesn't work out well when it comes to our food relationship. And as I mentioned before, this technique was really key in eating disorder recovery for me because I wasn't restricting food for the first time in my life. I was allowing myself to eat what I wanted mindfully. And that led to a much more balanced and healthy relationship with all foods and a lot less restrictive approach to my nutrition. Now, this won't necessarily work for everybody. Specifically, a lot of my clients that find this really helpful are the ones that when they finish their day and they have their evening meal, they sit on the couch at night with their housemates or their partner and they feel like they want something sweet, but they feel like they're just doing it out of habit or out of boredom. So just bringing that little bit of self-awareness and mindfulness to the process can help you make different choices around that. So I really hope this episode has been helpful. If you do struggle with overeating past your hunger and fullness cues or eating sweet things when you don't actually think you're hungry, but you just want the good feels, try surfing the urge this week, set that timer and use that three-step process and let me know how you get on. Shoot me a DM on Instagram. I definitely think there's a bit of a weird rhetoric around food cravings that people often think that they're bad. But what I want everyone to take from this episode is that it's just a normal part of life and we can allow ourselves to have those foods. Cravings aren't bad and the answer to a craving doesn't have to be restriction. As always, any questions at all on anything I've spoken about today, please feel free to absolutely slide into my DMs on Instagram or pop me a message through my website. And for anyone that is currently struggling with their nutrition and is thinking about maybe some coaching to help them navigate that, hit the link in the show notes and tell me a little bit about yourself and I'll let you know if I can help you. I hope you have an amazing rest of your week, Cultivate Family. Take it easy. I'm out.